The video was supposed to call you back. We obviously didn't have the volume up enough, no. Uh, so if you, if you missed the video, we actually cut the last 30 seconds off of that video uh, so that we didn't induce uh, uh, PTSD from all the rain that we've had. And so if you notice, the video was a dry, cracked land and then luscious green land, and then we cut the last 30 seconds off, which was like swampy, muddy, puddly, community that will never dry out. It's where we're sitting today, right? Uh, no. Uh, but here's the deal. If you've been in the Pacific Northwest long enough, you know uh, it rains and rains and rains and rains and rains, and then eventually uh, it continues to rain, and then the season changes, and then it rains even in the summer. Uh, but no, I promise, even though I have no control over the weather, I promise it will change we got a good day, it looks like today. We had a good second half of the day yesterday. Maybe the floods will recede a little bit. Uh, but this morning we sit in a dry barn, which is good, which is a blessing. Uh, together, maybe some of you are sitting today feeling hopeful. Uh, maybe some of you sitting today are eager and excited. Uh, some of us are maybe questioning or confused about life or something that's happening. Uh, maybe some of us have just barely made it to the barn this morning, right? Whether you have young kids who you had to like, you know, gather up in your arms and walk them out to the van and set them in there. Maybe there was diaper changes that prolonged everything. Or maybe you have teenagers who monopolized the bathroom uh, for far too long. Uh, I wouldn't know how Sunday mornings work because I get out of there as quick as I can. Um, but uh, this morning starts a new series uh, entitled Change. Change, our lives don't have to stay the same. Uh, some of us today, maybe where you're sitting, deeply desire change to happen in your life. Maybe for others of you uh, this morning, you, um, you are fearful of change, right? How many of you don't like change? Come on, let's be honest. All right, just a few of you. All right, good. Well, we're going to actually speak to both sides of that coin this morning, recognizing that some of us actually really want change in our lives. And then there's other of us that are really scared of change, things changing, things becoming uh, different. Uh, and as we do that this week, uh, this series in itself is going to be a journey through the book of John. We're going to go through the whole, we're going to navigate the whole book of John over the next 12, 13 weeks through Easter, uh, and yes, I said Easter, I know I've actually driven around the valley, I see a lot of people still have like wreaths on their door, maybe you have some of those straggling Christmas decorations still up in your house, because you know the ones that like you put away all the bins and they're still like, oh, I forgot the trivet, trivet, that's a weird word, uh, trivet that's on the oven, or the towels that are hanging in the bathroom, oh, those are Christmas themes, we need to put those away, but yes, spring is coming. 
And uh, the book of John is actually full of, and what we're going to do, it's full of interactions. It's full of moments where Jesus interacts with people throughout his ministry here on earth. And, and in those moments, change comes out of them. Um, some sort of uh, situation or outcome and interaction that, that brings this change out. Uh, sometimes the change is immediate when Jesus interacts with people. Sometimes the change is brought over time. Uh, for some, they're stuck uh, where there's nowhere else to turn. Maybe you feel like that. Uh, others may be minding their own business and Jesus comes along and really flips everything upside down. Maybe that's happened to you. But there are some powerful moments that we'll look at in the book of John, right? Jesus turning water into wine. Jesus clearing the temple. The Samaritan woman and Jesus in their interaction. Uh, Peter's denial where he denies Jesus, but then when Jesus reinstates him at the, book, at the end of the book of John, is an amazing moment. Jesus washing his disciples' feet. I'm not going to promise that. I'm not going to make you all wash each other's feet. It's like, what did he say? Did he say we're not going to do it or we're going to do it? I don't know. You have to be around. Uh, both of the big fish catches, right? There is actually two stories in the book of John where Jesus called the disciples. Actually, one's in Luke and one's in John, but... Two different instances where, where Jesus blessed the disciples with an amazing fish catch. We'll look at both of those. And if, maybe if you're unfamiliar with some of those stories, you just got to come every week and, and, and see what we're, what we're going to talk about. But the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are essentially that. They're the interactions that Jesus has in his ministry here on earth. I want to start uh, by reading... Uh, I, haven't, I don't know that I've read a chunk of scripture out of the message for you. The message is just really a paraphrase. It's just a, a, an easy way to hear some of scripture in a different way. Uh, and, and, and for this, it's just really fitting for us to kind of maybe get a, a, a new look at a chunk of scripture maybe read before. So John 1, uh, the life light. The word was first. The word present to God. God present to the word. The word was God. And readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life. And the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. Darkness could not put it out. Uh, there once was a man, his name was John, sent by God to point out the way to the lifelight. He came to show everyone where to look and who to believe in. John was not himself the light. Uh, he, was there show, uh, he was there to show the way to the light. The lifelight was a real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. He was in the wor world, and the world was there through him. And yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, whoever believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are the God-begotten, not the blood-begotten, not the flesh-begotten, not the sex-begotten. 
But the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I like that. I like that idea of Jesus moving into the neighborhood. We saw the glory through uh, with our own eyes and the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. John pointed him out and called, this is the one, the one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. He, was al- he has always been ahead of me and he has always had the first word. We all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses, and then uh, this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus, the Messiah. No one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse, but this one-of-a-kind God expression who exists at the very heart of the Father, made him plain as day. Jesus made God plain as day. I love those words explaining that Jesus literally moves into the neighborhood and that through him we see the light and that through him we get to see God plain as day. John, uh, John 1, 1 through 5, written in, uh, in, in, your, in your Bible, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Two facts are stressed in those first couple verses of John. One is that Christ himself was not created. He wasn't created by God. He was inexistent. He was eternal. Uh, And the second thing was, is that all things were created by him. We know in Genesis that he was present in creation. That he was part of the authorship of creation. Right? And for us, as we focus in on this idea of allowing Jesus to change or bring change or looking at the times that Jesus brought change into people's lives, we have to realize that God is the constant even in change. That's the first blank in your outline. Some of you really want to make sure you hit your outline because uh, you get home and you're like, oh, oh, and then you, you'll miss like the Super Bowl because you'll be worried about that one blank. Um, God is the constant even in change. Not only was he eternal and created everything, in him was life, it says in verse 4. And that life is in him. Not, not, life isn't through Jesus, but it's actually in Jesus. In him was life, and that life was light of men. God's glory to man was in Christ. Right? The impossible was possible. Jesus walked on the waves. He cast out demons. He healed girls. He gave sight through spitting in some mud and rubbing it on people's eyes, shining never his own glory, never bringing attention to himself, but always displaying the glory of the Father, the glory of, of the one who had sent him. The beauty displayed in Jesus' life was so amazing, uh, so, so different, so otherworldly that uh, we knew, we know, and they knew it had to be of God. And the light that is Jesus shines bright in that case. 
John 1, 5 there at the end says, The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. There's a meme that's going around that I've seen a handful of times. I think I'm using that word right. I have to confer with my teenagers, but a meme. Uh, and it says, uh, it's, it's two people kind of consoling each other, and it says, and that was just January. You know, like, and maybe you relate to that right now where you're sitting, you're like, oh, jeez, it's only the first month of the year, and that was just January, right? But I love the, the, the tone of that scripture that darkness has not overcome it. Darkness has not overcome the light. Do you believe that? Like, do you believe right now in your life that there's absolutely nothing God's light can't shine in and through? That whatever you're facing in your life, whatever uh, shadow has been cast on your light, whatever darkened path that has come, whatever light switch has been switched off, and whatever uh, light has been drawn out, that light can actually reach that spot in your life. That light can illuminate in those instances. Right? Listen to the words of John in verse 14 of chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. God sent, Jesus obeyed to dwell with us. To be with us. Uh, eternal God present in the beginning and he'll be there in the end. Chose to send his son. And again, it's kind of hard to grasp. Jesus, present in the beginning, will be there in the end at the right hand of the Father. Chose to live a life for and with us. Here. God's dwelling is in and with us. Second blank. Don't miss it. Type A's, don't miss it. God's dwelling is in and with us. God's glory in full display is in and with us. Christ, his spirit, living and active, as I explained with the kids, guiding and present, waiting to shine, waiting to unleash all glory and grace through us. But what often, often happens? God's, God's waiting to display his glory and his majesty. Uh, and then what happens is I happen. You happen. We happen. And oftentimes we can block out that light. Cast a shadow in that light. Right, you know... What often happens, what often goes on in my head, and, and I've, I've said it a handful of times before, is, is, is asking the question is, why are you guys here? Like, why are you guys even here this morning? You've heard me say it before. Uh, why do you come do this church thing at all? I know it's for way more than me, but why do you come to listen to anything that I would have to say? And I always think to myself, I'm absolutely floored that any of you would come and, and listen to the words that I would have to say. And, and, and in that, it's, it's, it's crazy, but they're not my words. And that's what I continue to have encouraged me. And what else encourages me is that the, the, the stories in the Bible uh, of people like me who have royally messed up and that God uses them 
Uh, and then his glory is made known through those stories. And maybe you can relate to that. What keeps me grounded is that even though I really mess up myself often before even the kids come home from school every day, uh, it is that the Bible greats, the people that we look at, like John and Peter and all these people, the Bible greats, uh, they, we look at their lives as messed up as they were and then see the greatness that came from their choices to change and be different and to trust and have faith and that they're still grounded and we see them turn everything back towards God. Not as perfectly as Jesus did absolutely every single time, but they turn that glory back uh, to God. And there's an amazing example of that in, in the book of John when John the Apostle talks about John the Baptist, records John the Baptist, and it records that John uh, had many followers of his own. So John had essentially, for lack of a better term that we would understand, John had a church of his own. People that were following him, that were hanging on every single word that he had. Um, and these people were like John's people. Like, like they were his guys. And he had gained so much of a following that the religious leaders of that time thought, is John the guy? Like, is John the guy that we've been waiting for? And so they actually asked him. Right? There was this big discussion that went on. Like, they were like, who are you then? Like, all these people are following you. You're baptizing people. Like, who are you? Are you Elijah? And John's like, I'm not Elijah. Are you a prophet? No, 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 no. Are you the one? Are you the one we've been waiting for? And, 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 and that whole discussion goes on, and John says, no, I'm not the one you've been waiting for. In verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. John says, no, no, you wait. There is one that is coming that is far greater than me. And what we say is that the, the, there is one that is in me that is far greater than myself. Right? We are preparing the way for Christ, his glory to shine in our lives. Or are we stuck in what we've built, what we've tried to create? See, John making this statement to the religious leaders and, and what had kind of happened to kind of bring more light into that situation is that the Pharisees at the time were like the, the highly spiritual people, uh, I would say, they, they sent the Sadducees to question John and what he was doing. So it was almost like these people were sent to ask him who he was. And, 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 and what the, the role the Sadducees played in that moment was like the, the liberal rule follower of that time. Like, you better follow the rules of the Bible that are clearly stated, all 613 of them. Right? Because that's where we're at. And, and John, is, John is really, in making this statement, implicating himself. Right? He's saying, I am not the one to come. There is one that is coming. And then he's implicating himself in that he was baptizing people. And they, so they question him at that. And, and, and so John's job in that moment was essentially to introduce Jesus to the world. And for what is known as the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry that John would work to point his followers, to continue to point his followers to now follow Jesus, right? 
he would essentially, in that moment, change his ministry to a different focus and work to reinforce that Jesus was now present. Now, it's kind of interesting. I got hung up on this interaction because John the author, John the apostle of the book of John, a disciple of, was a disciple of John the Baptist. So he was one of John's people. And so I see this record in John of, of even the first interactions and all this kind of stuff. There's not a lot of red letters there. And Jesus doesn't address John. And, I, and it, 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 it got me thinking that John the Apostle who wrote this book was sitting back and was like observing how John the Baptist, who had his following, and, and maybe there was struggle there. Maybe there was like real serious choice to make a change in his life. In John 1.42, he brought, uh, or first we'll read... Um, We'll read John. So John uh, then begins to call his team together. Jesus does. So uh, John, uh, Jesus is baptized. And then uh, Jesus begins to call his disciples. Uh, John 1, 35 says, uh, the next day, to 49, the next day, John was there again with the two uh, of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And, and that's where I picture like John, the apostle sitting back and watching like John the Baptist and Jesus interact. And John's like, hey, look, there's the guy I was telling you about. Like, we're going to follow him now. Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said rabbi, which means teacher, which is actually a, a formal addressing of like, I'm following you now. Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come. And he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he, uh, where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. Um, and it was about the 10th. I'd just love to spend a day. I mean, I, we, we get to hang out with Jesus every day, but I'd love to actually physically spend a day with Jesus. That'd be pretty cool. Um, Sorry, side note, my brain like, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you, Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which is transferred, translated Peter. And so, Jesus begins a, a highly relational ministry of calling these disciples to follow him. In verse 42, he said he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And Jesus begins this highly relational interaction with his disciples. He calls some of them, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of get to this more as we get in, but he calls some of them away from his fa their families. He calls some of them away from their jobs, uh, away from uh, their, their, uh, their means to live life. And he calls them out of that to trust and follow him. 
he calls some of the disciples out of really despicable situations. And Jesus calls, in, 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 in just about every case, Jesus actually looks right at him and calls him by name and relates to them like, like we would deeply desire relationship in the way we interact with people. God calls us, in the moment he calls Peter by his name and he calls his other disciples, but God calls us by our name. And I know you've probably heard this before, but it's a, it's a great quote. I don't even know who said it, but... Uh, Jesus knows our sin and calls us by name. The devil knows our name but calls us by our sin. You've probably heard that before. And Jesus, despite whatever the disciples had going on in their life, whatever he was calling them out of, Jesus called them by name to follow them. And I can only imagine, because I wasn't there, the depth of the, the relationship and the interactions that uh, that he called those first disciples with is the same level of depth and interaction that I've experienced and that probably a lot of you have experienced or that same level of deep relationship of which that Jesus calls you to have as well. That Jesus desires you to have in his life. Disciples of Jesus and, and many other people in the Bible um, are forever changed by that interaction that Jesus has with them. And I, like I've shared numerous times, have an amazing seat to see that same thing here in this church. That uh, many of the lives here today change never to be the same because of your interaction with Jesus and allowing him to work in your life. Now if we fast forward to the book of Acts, so Acts is the story of the, the, the church uh, being created, uh, the church gaining ground and in, in, in winning people for Jesus after Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, the book of Acts, we see Peter and John uh, having been called by Jesus. They're out healing and teaching and, uh, and again, giving all the glory back to God. And in Acts 3, uh, it says... Uh, as Peter and John are doing this, Peter and John question those that are around him. And say, they say, uh, why are you staring at us in unbelief? It is the God of, and we sang it, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The same God that called us years ago is the same God that's active. And Acts 4.13 4, says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they looked and took note that these men had been with Jesus. I mean, can you picture that? Peter and John are, are out healing people, are out praying with people, interacting with people, uh, uh, teaching about Jesus. And they're doing all that, and then they're called, they're called out for what they're doing. And so they're brought before, very similar to John the Baptist being challenged, them going to John and asking him who they were. But they're actually brought uh, together, uh, they're brought before, because of what they've done, they brought before the religious leaders at that time. And, and I'll tell you what, they weren't only the religious leaders, they were probably the most powerful minds of that time. And Peter and John are brought before... It's like if I was to go up to the, 
I mean, if it's a Bellingham concept, I was going up to Western and uh, go between the whole, I don't know, science ward at Western, all the professors that are up there, and then I would stand before them and, like, be called out for something that I was doing, and I'd have to explain my, I mean, like, times 100, because not only were they the most, probably the powerful at the time, they probably, uh, earthly, uh, had the most authority at that time as well. And so Peter and John are brought before them. And it says that they were astonished by these two guys. And I'll tell you what, uh, I, I, I have to believe that it was part of their words, probably what they said, although they were not the most educated. They were definitely nowhere near educated as, as those guys were. But in Matthew 10, we know that Jesus says, don't worry about what you have to say. It'll be given to you. Right? My Father will speak through you. Oftentimes we stress about, well, do we have the right words? Do we have enough knowledge to even say anything at all? No, and I'm thankful for that. Right? It's Jesus' words. It's God's words through you. So don't worry about what you have to say. It'll be given to you, and the, and the Father will speak through you. But I love that it said they realized they were unschooled and ordinary men. So I'm guessing probably their appearance, right? My wife tells me my dress shoes are well-worn. It's time to get a new pair. I think Heather's mom bought me these jeans. And this is a hand-me-down shirt. I'm an ordinary guy. We're ordinary people, right? But these guys... They weren't the most polished. They'd been traveling the road with Jesus and then like establishing the original church. And there they stood in front of the greatest minds of the time to be present and to uh, hold account for uh, in front of them something that opposed what those guys believed. And I can imagine the people, because it wasn't just them, the people that had gathered in the room, maybe snickered, maybe were laughing, maybe were thinking, man, these uneducated men, what are they doing even in this place? And these two guys stood before, and maybe at the time, like I said, the most powerful minds, the most authority, and they spoke, and they talked about Jesus like they had been doing on the streets, and those men, it is recorded that they were astonished. And they took note that it was obvious that those guys had been, those guys had been hanging out with Jesus. Those guys had been with Jesus. Evidence. That is evidence of the presence of Christ. For us, too. That people would look... At us, very ordinary. Now, don't get me wrong. God loves you, and you are an amazing creation of him. And he, he, he created you with some of the greatest purpose on this planet. But we're ordinary people that God has chose to use. And how amazing would it be that people around us who didn't believe the same thing that we believed, maybe even directly opposed what we believe, would look at our lives and be astonished and take note that it's obvious that we hung out with Jesus. That we, that we, that we, 
knew him, that we had been in his presence. See, but that ordinary change came with intimacy with Jesus. Now the disciples, Peter and John in that moment, they actually got to hang out with Jesus. Like, I don't think they probably held hands, but like, I mean, they hung out with Jesus, right? They got to be in his physical presence. I was just making sure you're still here. All right. Um, it was a, like, like take an edge off the intenseness with the hand-holding thing. Anyways. Um, where was I? <laughs> These guys, it, yeah, so the change comes. Sorry. Again, my mind. Uh, the change comes in our intimacy and closeness with Jesus. We can have all the knowledge in the world. We can be well-educated, great jobs. Uh, no offense, John. John's wearing a tie. I didn't wear my tie. We can be really sharp-looking like John. Uh, he's got to wear it for work. I know. He's heading there after work, after church today. But, uh, but we can have all that stuff. But the change doesn't come with that stuff. The change comes with our intimacy to Jesus. With the presence and hanging outness of Jesus. Right? Jesus leads great change. And I want to close with that encouragement that over this series, as we look at this idea of change, don't be scared by it. But I want to encourage you that Jesus knows, He knows where you're at. He's made his house, I use that word dwelling, like he dwelt with us, but also a dwelling, his house, his dwelling with and in us. And this series, as some of us have been kind of hashing out all the details in our minds, we've been praying for this time to be focused and real, and the interactions that we look at with Jesus would just, would just grow our interactions with Jesus. Would just grow our intimacy with him. And out of that, not out of the cool story of Jesus interacting with the woman at the well or, or healing, you know, Bart on the side of the road. I mean, whatever it may be, it wouldn't come from those amazing stories, but it would come because those stories draw us closer to Jesus. And then change comes out of those. See, it is our desire that we would look at the interactions with Jesus and then choose ourselves to hang out with him a little bit more. This is a, 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 a kind of coined CTK phrase that we have. It's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are as a church. And, and that is that Jesus is all right with where you are at right now. He is totally all right with where you are at right now. But what he isn't all right with is you staying where you are at right now. And that can be an overarching theme throughout this series. That whatever you bring in here on a Sunday morning, whatever you bring in here week to week, it's all right. Like whatever you got, whatever mess you got, whatever greatness you got, it's all right. Bring that with you. But expect not to stay there. Because Jesus in our present with, presence with Jesus will hopefully take us elsewhere. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Man, you can come up.